Well, hello, everyone. I hope your week is going well. What a week it's been in the life of our, our community. I'm sensing a real stirring of the Holy Spirit within us, and that stirring, God is giving us a hunger for Him. And not just a longing, but a deep hunger for Him, one that we've potentially never had before. And I think this is something to be excited about. I think this is something to lean into. And so I hope that you've created some margin in your life this week to rest in His presence um, and, and to know that your soul is being refreshed each and every day um, that you have. Um, and so you've hopefully been reading Colossians 1 this week, hope you've been praying and worshiping and fasting and maybe even sitting in some silence. That, And I hope that God has been taking you in a deeper place in your relationship with Him and that each new day that you have is a day to grow and is a day to mature in your faith. This is my hope for you. This is what gets me um, to be passionate about being a pastor. This is part of my calling, I believe, is is to, to, to lead and to walk in a community where we're all growing and maturing in our faith together. And, and I just have come to discover that this is a lifelong adventure. But the good news is, is that we're on this adventure together. And as I mentioned this past Sunday, our new weekly rhythm for the foreseeable future is to pre-record my messages before Sunday so that you can listen to them and come on Sunday ready to discuss all that God has been teaching you and speaking to you during this week. And so I think it's it's good for us to spend our time on Sunday in a more of a dialogue format because our community is filled with people who have good thoughts, um, who are people who have important things to say that I think will benefit us all. So I want to create some more space for that. As much as I like hearing myself talk, I think it's healthier for our community to hear from other voices as well. So hopefully you're listening to this prior to Sunday. Um, Hopefully you'll be able to come with some thoughts or maybe two thoughts to share with the rest of us um, on Sunday. So, okay, we are in week, uh, we are in a four-week conversation that we're calling Firm Foundations. This conversation is rooted in the letter to the church in Colossae. So our goal during this time is to dive deeper into our faith in Jesus together. But we know that in order to do that, we have to establish some firm foundations in our everyday lives. And there are four firm foundations that Paul writes about to this young church in Colossae. Each one is seen in the four chapters. So chapter one, the firm foundation, is thankfulness. Chapter two, we're going to see that it's freedom. Chapter three is all about holiness. And chapter four is about obedience. And according to Paul, these four firm foundations are fundamental into what he is calling this young church to in the first century. And and I believe what he's calling all Jesus followers to today, which is spiritual maturity in Jesus Christ. So as important as these firm foundations are for our faith, I would also argue that they fall flat if we don't get practical with them. And in in, in other words, if we kind of just see them as theology, but we don't we don't practice them and work them out in our faith and and lean into them each and every day. And so I think the best way to get practical with them is through spiritual rhythms that we see Jesus engaging with every single day in the Gospels. These rhythms are the reading of Scripture, prayer, worship, stillness, and fasting. Again, I hope you were able to utilize our Firm Foundations resource packet that we sent out this past weekend. It's so good. Can I tell you, I've been using it this week. It's been an encouragement to me. It's been so helpful and challenging, and it's really meant to walk us through 
the basic spiritual rhythms that we're practicing together. So if you didn't get a chance um, to, to, to look at it, um, you can find it on our website or you can DM us on Instagram or email me or Casey or just ask somebody. Um, I think we'd be able to get it to you very quickly. So I'm confident it will be valuable and useful for you, um, not just in the weeks to come, but hopefully in the years ahead. Okay, so we're going to jump into Colossians chapter 1. I'm just going to focus our attention um, this week on verses 9 through 23. Here we go, verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have the great endurance and patience joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of the sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything that was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth, or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So once you were alienated, alienated and hostile in your minds, expressed in your evil actions, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith, you are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. This gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a servant of it. Okay, so here Paul is offering a prayer of thanksgiving to a church that is only a few years old and has already made a reputation for themselves. Their reputation, we talked about this last Sunday, is one of faith, love, and hope. But Paul knows something that this young church is yet to experience. Paul knows that reputation can only take you so far. The true effectiveness of a church is contingent on the spiritual maturity of the people that make up that church. In other words, what you can do can only take you so far before you start to run out of gas. The thing that will cause you to last and to be a life-giving church relationally, but also within your community at, at whole is your personal relationship with Jesus and whether your relationship with Jesus is growing and maturing. So for Paul, the first firm foundation in your faith in Jesus has to be thankfulness. Thankfulness is not, is not an unfamiliar word to any of us. We all know how important it is to count your blessings, right? If I were to ask you right now to recite the things that you're thankful for, 
I'm sure you could rattle off quite a few things. I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful for my spouse. I'm thankful that I have a roof over my head. I'm thankful I have food in the fridge. I'm thankful for my cat, my dog, car, Netflix, whatever it is, you get it. But this is not where Paul's mind goes when he talks about being a thankful person. Not that we shouldn't be thankful for these things. We should. They're good things. But thankfulness for a follower of Jesus comes from a deeper place within the heart. Thankfulness is much more than just counting your blessings. I actually want to make the point that thankfulness is found at the cross, which ultimately positions me to no longer let my faith in Jesus be contingent on circumstances. If we can truly get to a place in our relationship with Jesus that what he did on the cross for me, victory over death, and in doing so, defeated sin, if we can get to the place where that is enough, then we will see thankfulness reside in our hearts. In other words, if Jesus didn't do another thing for me, which he, which he won't do, I would still be thankful because of the cross. Now, this is the kind of thankfulness that Paul is shining a light on to this young church, which I believe is a word for us today, as we are a young church. In order for me to be thankful, I don't have to count anything. All I need to do is to remember who Jesus is and what he did for me on the cross. If the cross is truly enough for my faith, then my faith will be unshakable and not contingent on anything this world throws at me. Now the gospel doesn't stop at the cross, does it? This is of course good news. Of course God wants to bless your life. And of course God will give you good things. He can't help himself. Scripture tells us that God is a giver of good gifts, that he wants to give gifts to his kids. But God doesn't want his people to love the blessing more than the blesser. So there will be times when God wants to take you deeper into a thankfulness that will indeed last through eternity. And we can only arrive in that space through Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of our soul's greatest desire. And, and, and it, Jesus is the place where our soul can experience this depth of relationship that leads us to thankfulness. So for most of us, I would think it's, again, not very difficult to share about the things that we're thankful for. Again, you can probably rattle off those things fairly quickly right now in your mind, right? Whether it's your job, whether it's your house, your car, your kids, again, the food that, or the food that you have in the fridge. But what's difficult for most people is to take the time to express why they are thankful for those things. For example, I can tell you how thankful I am for Jesse till I'm blue in the face. I can tell you that I'm thankful for her. I can just say, I'm thankful for Jesse. I'm thankful for Jesse. I'm thankful for Jesse. And you probably all would believe me, but, but what will communicate to not just you, but to Jesse that I'm truly thankful for her is for her to hear why I'm thankful for her. Are you tracking with me? So for example, I would say, I'm thankful for Jesse because she is compassionate. She's kind. She's selfless. She's a dreamer. She's a go-getter. She's someone who is so patient and committed to me as her husband and to our kids. 
Her faith and her trust in Jesus challenges me every day to be a devoted follower of Jesus. I'm so thankful for her because of those reasons. Life with Jesse is so much better than life without her. As you can see, thankfulness changes us when we're able to express why we are thankful and live in thankfulness every single day. If I know why I'm thankful for somebody, then then my relationship with them will be deeper. It will be more rich. It will be more consistent. It will be much more sacrificial. It will be two-sided. So back to Colossians 1. Out of Paul's compassion for us, he doesn't just leave us with a charge to be thankful for Jesus. He actually gives us three reasons why we are to be thankful for Jesus that will, in fact, lead to spiritual maturity. And he says at the end of chapter 1, if you can remain grounded and steadfast in faith and not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. So what is he saying? He's saying that faithfulness and thankfulness are directly linked to one another. If you want to be a thankful person, you first have to be a faithful person. Faithfulness always leads to thankfulness. If you're not a faithful person in your relationship with Jesus, with your spouse, with a friend or a boss or whoever else it may be, it will be very difficult for you to be actually thankful for them. So Paul's first reason to be thankful for Jesus is found in verses 9 through 14. To sum up what Paul says here, he says that that, that you can be thankful for Jesus because you now have knowledge of God. So that's the first reason. You can be thankful for Jesus because you have knowledge of God. Now, we don't know um, uh, that maybe if we look at you know the, the gospel writings of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of these gospel writers conclude that Jesus is God in the flesh. This is what we know about Jesus. This is what the Bible teaches us about Jesus, that he is God in the flesh. That if you want to know God, then you have to follow Jesus. So Paul starts off by saying that his prayers are that you may be filled. And in Greek, we know the word filled is not a one-time filling. Um, it's not a passive word. It's, it's a continual filling with one of knowledge of the will that one that gives wisdom and spiritual understanding. So what Paul is getting at here is that the knowledge of God's will is more than a simple insight into how God wants his people to behave, but rather it's an understanding of God's whole saving purpose in Christ. In other words, we can understand what God is up to in this world today as a result of what Jesus did on the cross thousands of years ago that God is saving, that he's rescuing, that he's redeeming, that he's renewing everything all the time, that God is active in the world. And no matter how bad or bleak things may seem right now, things will get better eventually. When? I don't know. Which, by the way, seems to be the three most repetitive words I find myself saying in this current season. I don't know. Which I don't think is a bad thing. I don't know um, is really a verbal submission to a sovereign truth that God does know that I'm not in control, but God is in control. That doesn't mean that we just sit back and absolutely do nothing because we're still the people of God who bring good news to the world. But our posture has to change in this season. 
we have to learn how not to be in control and to trust Jesus um, and to trust his messiahship over our lives that God does know and he will reveal himself to us as he sees fit. So we must be ready to hear from him. We must be ready to mobilize ourselves when he says go. By the way, this is my heart behind our spiritual rhythms that we're practicing as a community, that they will lead us to intimacy and growth with Jesus so that we can enjoy him and be ready for whatever he has next for us. So we can be thankful for Jesus because we have knowledge of God. And then number two, we can be thankful for Jesus because we have received new life in Jesus. And this is what verses 15 through 20 are all about. Which, by the way, I find it fascinating that the theologian N.T. Wright says that Colossians 1 verses 15 through 20 may be the most important six verses about Jesus in the entirety of the New Testament. And, and essentially, I think what he's saying is that this is the message of Easter. New life in Jesus. Your old way of doing things is done with, and now it's time to get on with living in your new, redeemed, accepted, and loved self. Just start reading Genesis 1 all the way to Revelation 22. You will discover that God is all about life. That God is not a God of the dead, but of the living. Now this doesn't, of course, make life easy by any means. Life is far from easy. But what this does tell us is that God, through Jesus, wants today to be a day of new life for you. And that when life as we know it here on earth ends, whether that day is today, tomorrow or next week or maybe 40 years from now, that we are made for eternal life. That our, that our souls are built to last. And though our physical body may break down, our souls will live forever. If I can just encourage you to just sit with that truth for a moment, that your souls will live forever, that your soul is built to last. I want to encourage you just to sit with that truth for a moment, not because you haven't heard it before, but because this truth is meant to change your posture in this world from one of fear, from one of control, from one of anxiety and maybe loneliness to one of joy, hope, peace, and love. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. So the adventure of following Jesus is all about walking away from the old and stepping into the new. What is the old that you keep going back to? What old habits, behaviors, or sins do you keep going back to? Paul makes it clear. For those who are in Christ, it is time to walk away from old habits, old behaviors, and old sins, and to step into the life that Jesus has for you right now. The new life, a good life, an abundant life. This is something to be thankful for as we step in. And, and it's not something to dread. It's not something to walk into kicking and screaming. Thankfulness comes when the new way of living is way more attractive than the old way of living. And finally, we see in verses 21 through 23 that you can be thankful for Jesus because you are holy, faultless, and blameless in his eyes. The work of Jesus on the cross presents you to be 
perfect in the eyes of God. Just think about that for a second. That is amazing. The work of Jesus on the cross presents you to be perfect in the eyes of God. Wow. You know, this past Wednesday was Earth Day. I saw so many of you posting pictures of of beautiful landmarks all around the world. They are places that God created. And just as we would step back and be in awe of its beauty, God does the same thing. But God doesn't just look at nature and say, wow, look how beautiful the world is. He looks at you and says to himself, wow, I did so good with creating her or or him. And when God looks at you, he does not see a sinner in need of a savior. Did you know that? He, he already dealt with that on the cross. When God, our Father in heaven, creator of the entire universe, looks at you and sees you, in the words of David, he sees someone that's remarkably and wondrously made. This is one of the memory verses that, that we were teaching our kids back at home. And it's so encouraging to just hear them going around the house just saying, I'm remarkably and wondrously made. It, there's nothing that, that makes me smile. There's nothing that puts my soul at rest than my kids knowing that to be true. And my job is their dad, Jesse's job is their mom, is to remind them that they are perfect in the eyes of God, that there is nothing wrong with them. That when God looks at all of us, right, he doesn't see any of our faults, past, present, and future. He doesn't look at you and see your blemishes or imperfections. God sees you like no one else can because he knows us like no one else does. If this truth doesn't fill your heart with thankfulness, I'm not sure what else will. You have eternal peace right now in front of you. We need not to get caught up in all the what-ifs. If there's one thing that I think God might be teaching us during this COVID-19 pandemic, it's time to focus on the what-is, not the what-ifs. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, you have knowledge of God. You have new life. You are holy, faultless, and blameless in the eyes of God. We're going to find ourselves saying, I don't know, quite a bit for the foreseeable future. And that's okay. But but what if we also just spent some time um, reflecting on the things that we do know to be true? That we have knowledge of God, that you have new life, that you are holy, faultless, and blameless in the eyes of God. All that's left for us to do is to be thankful. To allow these three life-altering truths Fill us with thankfulness so that we can live the abundant life that Jesus has for you today. Thank you for taking the time out of your your day um, to listen to this message. I hope it encouraged you. I know that I'm praying for you, church. Um, Jesse and I, we miss you guys dearly. We can't wait that week to be together physically. Um, but 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 know that our prayer for you is that thankfulness will rule in your life. And maybe you'll find some time this week to reach out to someone, to tell them why you're thankful for them, whether it's a text or whatever it may be. Get creative. But, 
But I think even though maybe we're quarantined and we can't be together physically, we can still reach out to one another and express our thankfulness for, for, for all that God has given us. And, and, and find time this week to really um, ponder um, and sit quietly before the Lord and, 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 and kind of immerse yourselves in these three truths that we talked about today. My prayer is that thankfulness will rule in your hearts. I'm really looking forward to discussing Colossians um, chapter 1 with you guys on Sunday. I can't wait to hear what Jesus has been teaching you this week as well. I love you, um, and we will talk to you soon.